Presentation Skills for Design Students, Episode 29. Are you a design student or graduate who wants to succeed in the professional world? If so, keep listening. I'm Christina Cantors, former architect turned communication skills coach, and you are about to discover how to get noticed, land your dream job, and have an amazingly successful career. It's all about being able to speak, present, and communicate like a boss. Welcome to the Presentation Skills for Design Students podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the show. I am podcasting this week all the way from the Netherlands, the land of cheese, mayonnaise, and crazy soccer fans. Anyway, I'm super excited about this week's episode because I am chatting with the very wonderful Diane DeResta. We are talking about how to nail your job interview. You know, it's really really important that you can communicate yourself what you love your skills and your passions in the all-important interview because as you're about to find out just having great skills is not enough and your work definitely does not speak for you. Diane is a licensed speech pathologist a highly sought-after speaker and communication coach. She's the founder of Doresta Communications, a company that helps high-profile people like top executives, politicians, celebrities, and sports stars to speak the language of confidence and communicate effectively. Now, I was very excited to speak to Diane about how to be successful in job interviews and in the workplace. So if you are job hunting or you want to move up in your workplace, this episode is a must-listen. Now, I can't... I can't stress enough just how important this stuff is. As you're about to find out, you may be highly skilled, but when it comes to job interviews and to working with others in the workplace, it's not so much about the skills, it's more about your confidence and how well you work with other people. So without further ado, let's get to the interview with the very lovely Diane DeResta. Hi, Diane. Welcome to the show and thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Christina. Thanks for having me. Now, I'm super excited to be chatting with you because you are very experienced in helping very high-powered people become better communicators. So I'd love to hear more about how important having great communication skills is for being successful in in getting great jobs and, and in your career. But first, for the listeners who aren't familiar with you and your work, Can you please share a bit about your background and what you do? Sure, I'd be happy to. I was originally trained as a speech pathologist. I got my master's degree at Columbia University, and for eight years I worked in the New York City school system, working with children who had language and speech disorders. And from there I went to a transitioned into a job doing stand-up training, presentation skills, and then moved on to Solomon Brothers in New York, where I was doing management training. And then my last full-time position was as assistant vice president at Drexel Burnham. And I was doing recruiting for the institutional sales and trading training program. And that meant I would go on college campuses and recruit MBAs for the program. And after that, I realized I did not like the culture of Wall Street, but I liked what I did. So I went off on my own. And today, 
X number of years later, my company, Duresta Communications, focuses in three basic areas. The public speaking presentation arena, the interpersonal communication area, and media training. And we serve primarily the corporate market, but I have to say, Christina, over a lifetime, I've worked with ages 4 to 84, and I've worked across industries from working with entry-level associates and even college students to people in the C-suite. So it's been pretty broad. I'm also the author of a book called Knockout Presentations, How to Deliver Your Message with Power Punch and Pizzazz. And I have a new ebook that we just launched called Give Fear the Finger, How to Knock Out Fear of Public Speaking. So that's me in a nutshell. Wow. Oh, my gosh. I'm, I can't believe we only have like 20 minutes to talk to, talk to you because I, I just know that you have so much to share. That's just incredible. And, of course, I was having a look at Diane's YouTube channel as well, everyone listening, and she gives these one-minute presentation tips, which are just awesome. So definitely go check out her work. She has a lot of amazing content out there. Now, Diane, with all of my podcast interview guests, I like to ask them about the two things. Have you heard of the two things? What are the two things? Okay, so it's based on the idea that any topic or subject can be distilled down to just two things that you need to know. And everything else is either an application of those two things or it's just not important. So one example that I found online is the two things about being an executive assistant. Number one, the boss is always right. And number two, the boss is always wrong. So that's just like a, you know, a little I love summation. That. Yeah. So Diane, I'd like to ask you because you're all about confidence and what you do in your company is you show people how to speak the language of confidence and what it mm -hmm. looks like and what it sounds like. Yeah. So I'd like to ask you, what are your two things about confidence? Here are my two things. It's about mindset and skill set. That's all it is. First, you need to program your mind. And a lot of times, confidence and fear start in the mind. By changing the way you think, by changing the words that come out of your mouth, you will start to shift how your confidence is perceived and how you start to feel inside your body. The other part of that is the skill set. I don't, my approach when I coach people is not to simply work on the emotions and go back to when did it first happen. You have to have the skills. I re really believe confidence happens when you have mastery. So I break down the skills for people and show them this is what it looks like on a visual level. Let's see how you do that. Now let's work on the voice and now work on your words. And then when you combine the two, what's interesting is there's always this mind-body connection happening. So if you get into a certain position of power, whether you're seated or standing, that sends signals to the brain and you start to feel more confident. If you start to think in a confident way, that sends signals to your body and you start to stand up straighter. So those are my two things. It's about mind and body. Wow. Skill set I love that. And, mm -hmm. and it is something you can learn, right? Absolutely. Confidence can be learned. And here's what's interesting. I've been doing some reading recently on the latest research, and they found that confidence trumps competence. I'm going to say that again because it's so important. Confidence trumps competence. And that's why if you're in the workplace and you see someone who you think or you know 
has less competence or skill than you and they get promoted, I'll bet you anything they have the confidence and the ability to sell themselves. So the school signs of success are very different from the workplace. In the school setting, it's your grades. So if you get an A and someone gets a B on a test, the B student can be confident, but their grades still show B. But it's not the same in the workplace. That B student may not be doing your A work, but they may be more confident and they may bypass you. Diane, you've trained very high profile people who have, who have to deal with very high pressure situations like, like mm -hmm. politicians and top executives. Now, mm -hmm. I would have thought that to get to these high powered positions, they would have to be confident speakers and great communicators as a given. But what, but clearly they still need help. So what is the number one thing that you see top executives struggle with in terms of their communication? Well, they, they have confidence in what they do and they're, they're skilled politically. So they know how to lead and to align people. But at a certain point, they need to do more formal speaking. And that's sometimes a fear for people. One example, I worked with the CEO of a pharmaceutical company and he was using a lot of ums. It wasn't that he was afraid to speak, but he was using um and ah, uh, and it was becoming to the point where people were tallying. So it was affecting his brand. So I came in and worked with him and helped him and showed him some of the refinements to make him look more polished and having more executive presence. So that's one thing. Another thing I find that happens is they're too verbose. They are not as concise or they, if they're... CEOs are in the C-level of a technical company, it becomes very difficult to simplify the message. And that's where I come in and I help them craft that message. I had, I, I always say to people that I'm coaching, I'm the lowest common denominator. If I get it, it's clear. So I have to understand what you're saying. And it, it's like your rule of two. Keep it simple. I use rule of three. People remember things in three. So what are the three messages? What are the three benefits? What are the three agenda items? Try to group them together in three so people can remember. Yeah, and that's definitely something that people can start practicing as well when just delivering a de design presentation, you know, thinking about, yeah, what, what are the, how can I sum this down into just, into just three things or two things <laughs> or one thing or whatever it is to get people to remember. Now that, that's awesome. Now, a lot of my listeners are uh, graduate, they're students, they're graduates, they're about to go into the job world and they're about to face their first really high pressure communication situation, which will be the job interview. So I'd love to talk to you about job interviews. So firstly, how important are communication skills in terms of getting a job? Very important. In fact, I've heard that success is 75% communication, but I can cite a study from the University of Michigan that said when it came to hiring managers, decisions were made based on 60% chemistry and only 40% skills. So what that says to me is this, if you have two people who are equally qualified, or even one who is more qualified, but you like the person whose resume isn't quite as good, but you know that they can, be lear they can learn the skills, who are you going to go with? This is someone you're going to see every day. You want to be with people you like, that you trust. So chemistry, communication is essential. And how well you interview 
determines getting the job. It's, it's a skill that everybody needs to learn. I know that a lot of, say, designers who are really talented at what they do, they might be thinking, well, my grades are excellent and my work is really good, so I'll just let my work speak for me, let my work speak for itself, and hopefully that will be enough to impress them. I know a lot of people have that attitude. What would you say to them? That is a false belief. Get over that. Your work does not speak for you. It does in school because you're going to get a grade. But now you're not getting graded. You're going to be working in an environment where you need to influence, where you need to communicate, where you need to build relationships. So they want to look at that and listen for that in an interview. And here's another thing that's critical that most people overlook. A company has a culture. So you might have all the skills for that job position, but it might not be a cultural fit. And so what do I mean by that? Well, some cultures are very hierarchical. Some have a lot of tradition. Some are more entrepreneurial. So are you a person who likes structure or do you like a lot of free open space? Do you like a slower pace or a faster pace? So you want to be looking at the culture of a company. What do they value and reward? And at the same time, they're making decisions. Yes, great portfolio, but does that person really fit with our culture? So it's very important to wow, have yeah. good communication skills. And also using your communication skills to find out about them and find about their culture. Because really, you're interviewing them as well to make sure if it's a place that you want to work. Exactly. And that's what I would tell the students. Go in there with a mentality that we are on the same level. We're peers. We give so much power to the interviewer, like the great and wonderful Oz from The Wizard of Oz, if you know that movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Actually, you're interviewing them as well. You don't want a job or any job. You want the right job. So as you're interviewing, you want to ask them questions to see if it's a right fit. Is it a right fit for my skills? Is it a right fit for my personality and for the culture? So absolutely. Wow. What do you believe is the biggest communication error that people make in job interviews? Not being prepared. The idea that my work speaks for itself, I'll just come in there and I'll talk. You need to do a lot of preparation. Get a list of questions and practice. Anticipate what you would be asked. You need to be organized with your proof points or your messages. So here's an example. What if someone says, tell me a time when you didn't do so well and, and your project failed? And you're sitting there saying, oh, how do I answer this? You need to be prepared for that. What is your greatest strength? And give me an example when you showed that. So here's a formula that I'm going to give away to all of the listeners. I call it CAR, C-A-R. And the C stands for challenge, the A is for action, and the R is for result. So what you do is you have this template and you say, well, the challenge I was facing was, and you describe it, the action I took was, so you show how you solve the problem, and the result was, and then you give them the outcome. And what you do is you plan those car statements long before you ever go to an interview. So you need, if you say my strength is organization, then plan two or three car stories that prove that. People are not going to take you at your word. You need proof statements. So it's a lot of preparation. Wow. I love that. That's a really good way to really illustrate your point. 
and it keeps you concise and focused. Yeah. I mean, like you mentioned before, like something that executives struggle with is getting what they want to say down to a short, succinct bite of information. And that would be the same when you're going for a job interview. People don't have all day. Exactly. And when, when you're in an interview, if you're rambling, you're probably not going to be successful. So you'll impress the interviewer when they ask you questions and you're able to say something in a very organized, concise way. Okay. Now I'd like to talk a bit about confidence in an interview. How can, how can someone show that they are confident? Well, the first thing is how you walk into a room because you convey a message before you ever open your mouth. So walk in by standing up tall, extend your hand and have a firm handshake and look the interviewer directly in the eye and smile. That all says I'm confident. Look like you're happy to be there. Even if you're a little nervous, that's okay. And by the way, your interview begins when you're in that waiting room, when you're there with the receptionist. Be cognizant of the behaviors that you are exhibiting at that moment. When I worked for a company, they had a policy that if a receptionist complained at all about any candidate, they wouldn't hire them. Wow. Yes. So, you know, you're, all eyes are on you in a sense. They're watching you. So are you sitting there snapping your gum? Are you talking loudly on a cell phone? You know, are, are you scratching your, your head? Think of you're in an interview before you ever meet that interviewer. Uh, are, are you being rude to the receptionist? That will, that will not get you points for sure. So it begins the minute you walk into that office. Oh, and I've heard that if you, I think I read this as well. If you walk in there and you have a chat to the, the receptionist and you're really friendly with them and just treat and treat them like they're just as important as the person who's interviewing you, they are going to absolutely love you. And I guess whoever's interviewing you, if you, if they're a little bit borderline, they're always going to say to the receptionist, Hey, what did you think of that person? And if the receptionist gives you a glowing review, that might be the thing that just tips you over the edge to, to get absolutely. that job. Absolutely. I once spoke to an administrative assistant and uh, she talked about people who were selling uh, to the company and she said, I've made careers and I've broken them. So they have a, a lot of influence and, and they will report back and say, oh, that person was really rude or you should have seen them the whole time on their cell phone or the way they were talking. So be aware that in a sense, it's a performance. You're presenting all the time. You're always on stage. Yeah. And even like, I know when you're even just sitting there, like you were saying, not playing with your cell phone, things like that, even like using your body language and sitting upright and, mm -hmm. and just using your body language to, to show that confidence is super important as well. And it also is shown in your voice. So when you're speaking in the interview, speak with conviction, sound like you mean it and speak up because if you're speaking like this and very soft and your eyes are down and your hands are in your lap, it, you look timid. So sit up straight, look directly at the person interviewing you, and speak with conviction. That's awesome. And ask questions, because that's also a sign of confidence. Uh, sometimes what happens is the interviewer may not be that skilled, and this happens a lot. And then the messages that you want to get across are never brought out because they didn't ask you the question. So here's something that every interviewer needs to do, every applicant. You need to create a personal branding statement for yourself so that when an interviewer says, tell me about yourself, 
you're able to launch into that. They don't want to hear, well, I went to high school and I did this. And they, they want to know as a package of skills, what are you? So what are your three strengths? How would people describe you? What are you looking to get? Have that nailed down. In fact, you, you want to know the answer to tell me about yourself. That's actually a gift because it's an opportunity for you now to take control of the interview and position yourself the way you want to be perceived. And when someone says, why should we hire you? Know the answer to that. That's, again, bringing back your strengths. And what do you know about our company? You need to be able to answer that. If you can't say anything, it shows that you didn't do your homework. So go online and research them. And if you can bring up something that's going on currently, do Google News Alerts on the company. If you can address that, I guarantee most applicants are not going there. They're talking only about themselves. But bring up an issue and ask an opinion. Yeah, I really love that tip, actually. Knowing about the company shows that you're enthusiastic and excited to work there. And, mm -hmm. of course, like that is such a valuable trait to have people who actually want to be there. If you come across someone who is like, oh, I'm just having an interview here because I've just applied for 100 jobs and I'm going to every single one that I can just because I can, that's not going to really sell yourself. Right. You need to convince people that you're interested in that job. Awesome. Oh, my goodness, Diane, you shared some amazing tips today. Can you... Do you just have one last little tip before we finish up today that students can start working on right now that's going to help them in their careers and when they're job hunting? Practice, practice, practice. Write out your examples, your stories, your car statements, and your branding statement. And don't give up. There's a job out there for you. The best thing to do is network. If there's one thing I would say, continue to network because that's how more than half of the jobs are found. Build your network. And that's also great practice with speaking to people and speaking with strangers. So that's an awesome tip. I love that, Diane. Okay, well, thank you so much for being my guest this week. It's, you've shared so many amazing tips and great insights. So if people want to learn more about you and what and your work, where can they find you? They can go to my website, deresta.com. That's D as in David, I, R, E, S as in Sam, T as in Thomas, A. They can go to my YouTube channel. So it's forward slash Diane Deresta. There are about 109 instructional videos up there. I also have a resource called speechmakersite, S-I-T-E dot com. That's speechmakersite.com. And you can find a template for an informational presentation as well as a persuasive presentation. So it gives you a template and you fill in the blanks to help build a speech or presentation. Wow. That sounds amazing. All and right. of course, you can find my books, Knockout Presentations and Give Fear the Finger on Amazon. Perfect. And I'll put a link to all of those resources in the show notes as well for people to find easily. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Diane. My pleasure. Thank you for the interview. It was great. <laughs> what amazing tips from the very knowledgeable communication coach, Diane Deresta. Definitely check out her YouTube videos. She's got a lot of useful content there. And of course, they are all free. Now, your challenge of the week. Remember how Diane was talking about writing a personal branding statement? I'd like you to think about and write down a short sentence 
which would be, you know, a sort of personal branding statement that you can use at networking events when you meet people and you're asked that dreaded question, so what do you do? If your stock standard answer is, I'm an architecture student or I'm a graphic designer, you know what, I'm telling you, it's really boring and it just doesn't carry on the conversation at all. And, and plus it doesn't actually differentiate you from all the other architecture students or graphic designers or whatever who are at that same event. You know, I once met a guy at a design event and I asked him what he did. He said, I'm a student. I said, uh, okay, so what do you study? And he said, interactive design. And I had to ask, uh, okay, what what's that? And then he went on to explain it. Now, even with, I mean, even for me with a, a design background, I had no idea what interactive design is. And he didn't, he wasn't very forthcoming about explaining that. So what I'd like you to do is think about what you're passionate about. Why are you in your chosen field? Now, when I spoke to this particular student, I discovered that he loved interactive design because he loved music and concerts and he loved using design to make these amazing concert experiences. So instead of saying, I study interactive design, a much better reply could have been, I am passionate about using design to create exciting experiences for people at concerts and events. And I've been developing these skills through studying interactive design. See, it's, it's much more, it's much more interesting. It really brings, um, the passion out and it's still short and to the point. So give that a go. What's your personal branding statement? Now, if you're having difficulties, just uh, just leave a comment in the show notes at designdrawspeak slash 029 or feel free to just send me an email at christina, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-A, christina at designdrawspeak.com. I'll be more than happy to help you out. Now, when you have your personal branding statement, practice saying it over and over and over again so that when someone asks you, it's just automatic and it just comes out. I look forward to hearing how you go. And that just about wraps up episode 29. Thank you so much for spending some time with me this week. I really, really appreciate it. Of course, if you enjoy this podcast, I would really love it if you could head on over to iTunes and leave a rating and a review. It's super quick and it just, it does amazing, it does amazing things for the podcast. It just helps it get discovered by more people. And that's what I'm all about, helping as many people as I can. You can do that by going to designdrawspeak.com and just following the links there to iTunes. I hope you have a wonderful weekend and I will see you next week for another episode. This has been Presentation Skills for Design Students, helping you become a confident, creative communicator.